And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are live from the bunker. It is June 6, 2022. D-Day. I don't want to hit that button. I want to hit this button. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. There's my one mistake for the day, right? Good to have all of you with us. If you are here with us live, we are on Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you're not with us live, uh, you can still leave a comment. Uh, or you know, If you're with us live, you can jump in the chat. We do also have this show available in a podcast form, if that's what you prefer. number of different podcast player platforms. And we have listeners all over the world, India, UK, Germany, Latvia, New Zealand, Canada. Good to have all of you with us as well. And we're on a number of different social media platforms. Even though it's pretty much a a wasteland over there. Just the way it is. But we're there. We're parked. Just so nobody else hijacks the, the brand. It's probably a complete waste of time and effort. But that's okay. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a useful means of getting announcements to you. Programming notes and whatnot. Because we do have a few programming notes. Let me, uh, let me get in here real quick. We were usually on Monday, the first Monday of the month, we have our Money Talk episode. Uh, we have not been able to put that together this time around. We're going to do it next Monday, the 13th. Uh, Dan's been traveling. Matt's been, Matt's been out of the office. So we're, we're coordinating and we're going to regroup on, on uh, Monday, the 13th. We do have an H2O podcast uh, episode tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about the value of character actors. Uh, and this comes from a suggestion via email. Uh, so we do value that input. So if you've got uh, if you've got uh, feedback that you want to send us by email, for this show uh, at least, live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com is the email address. And of course, you can always connect with us on socials. And we've got a newsletter you can sign up for and whatnot. The rest of the week is iffy because tomorrow morning I'm going to have to be downtown for jury duty in U.S. District Court. I don't know if I'm actually going to serve on jury or not, but I have to report for that. So, as far as I know, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows how the rest of the week is going to go? If I end up having to do things uh, in that regard, then we might not have shows. I might have guest hosts. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to arrange yet, but we will make those announcements over on social media. So, in so you can keep a keep abreast and stay apprised of what we're doing here. Uh, see Dave in the chat, Keely in the chat. Hello to uh, to you, and it's good to have uh, good to have you here. Okay, so over the weekend, this is this is some fallout from the 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 Depp herd herd Depp activity of the last few weeks. For those of you who have been paying attention. And this has gone back even further than just this particular proceeding. But there have been a few different legal proceedings that have had cameras in the courtroom. And various different lawyers who have YouTube channels have taken to the airwaves to uh, watch and comment and analyze the proceedings 
Uh, it's become known as LawTube. And in the aftermath of the decision in that court case, uh, Taylor Lorenz and the Washington Post put out a, a, an article that basically, well, basically says that the, the YouTubers are grifters. Now, I, I was, I, you know, I've been peripherally paying attention to this. I have not been putting a whole lot of time into covering this because it does take a ton of time. You can ask that um, the Umbrella Man, uh, as, as he was called during the trial, that Umbrella Guy. Tug has been doing yeoman's work covering this. Nick Ricade has been covering this. Yellow Flash has been covering this. Legal Bites, uh, Unlawful, uh, Uncivil Law. Um, there's, you know, uh, uh, lo logic, uh, good logic, uh, Runkle, uh, there's, there've been a number, uh, uh, Richard Hogue's been commenting on it. There've been a number of legal channels in addition to Tug and Yellow Flash and, and I think Jeremy Decordering has done some stuff. So it hasn't really been the primary concern for our channel because we we talk about a lot of different things and I didn't want to get bogged down in the one thing because everybody else was covering it. But in the aftermath of the decision that Ms. Hurd lied, it astounds me. It doesn't surprise me. But it astounds me the amount of lying and gaslighting that's been going on in the mainstream media. And what got me uh, deciding that I was going to talk about this today, yesterday over on Instagram, Fortune Magazine. Now, Fortune Magazine is a financial trade paper, uh, a, a financial trade magazine. They're not a social magazine they're not an, a social issues magazine they're a they're a money talk magazine they're a financial magazine right entrepreneurship and business and finance and economics so they post this thing <laughs> they've got an article and and i want to read i want to read what they have posted on instagram because this this is what ticked me off Quote, I am quoting from their Instagram here. Over the course of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, a partially right-wing funded media machine on TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook attempted to paint Heard as a liar and unreliable. The jury, which was not sequestered and was therefore potentially exposed to that media influence either directly or through friends and family, delivered a judgment against Heard this week while also deciding that Depp, through his lawyers, had defamed Heard in return. Heard owed Depp $15 million in damages, while Depp owed her $2 million. Depp's victory has set the precedent that if a survivor of abuse comes forward with their experience without even naming their alleged abuser, their more powerful alleged abuser can wield their influence, money, and resources to punish the accuser. Now, there are so many different things in that that are false, inaccurate, misleading, outright fabrications. For anyone who has watched any amount of the trial, and it was available on a number of different channels, those of us who paid attention in any way, shape, or form know that this is not what happened. And they are rightly getting pilloried in the comments, in the, in the responses to this. Now, was it a mistake not to sequester the jury? Probably. But, that aside, the way this is characterizing... TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook as, as, a, as part of a right-wing funded media machine is laughable. 
Because I know that there are a number of people that are on YouTube and I, I would assume the other, the other video channels, TikTok and Facebook and whatnot, who are not on the right, who are not conservatives, who are not Republicans, who are not red. They are not right-leaning. They are not right-adjacent. And if you pay attention to the testimony, and if you pay attention to the questions and the answers and the information that was presented at trial, you know, with fairly reasonable certainty, that Amber Heard lied about the circumstances. Now, does that mean Johnny Depp is white as the pure driven snow? No. Nor was he presented as such. It is gaslighting 101 here, folks. Uh, Keely Chow says, Captain Fandom Nerd, author Stephen Walton, and I are old school liberals. Well, see, that's, that's the thing is old school liberals are not necessarily the same as modern day liberals. Progressives, leftists, lunatics. Because there's now a difference between those who are on the left and those who are leftists. Those who are progressives. Because progressives are crazy. But this, this Fortune magazine article just highlights how desperate they are to rehabilitate Me Too and the victim narrative that comes out from women being abused. Because for whatever reason, I don't know why, it's been very tough to accept the notion that men could be victims of abuse as well. And to paint Johnny Depp as this rich patriarchy manifestation, power and influence and all that other stuff, well, Amber Heard dated Elon Musk. How much wealth and power and influence does he have? I mean, if Elon Musk were to decide to do it, and I don't, I don't know, it doesn't appear that he did, but if he did, if he decided that he could bring all of his resources to bear in support of Amber Heard, how do you think this would have gone? But the media continues to lie about, mischaracterize, and misrepresent just what was presented at trial. We saw this while the trial was going on. All of these various different articles that came out painting the picture of Amber Heard as the victim. And boo-hoo, poor her. But they're fully invested in a narrative. And that's the key. That's what I want to talk about here. Because it's not just this. It's not just the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. And and that's going to continue because now the fight goes to the Washington Post and Taylor Lorenz rearing her ugly head up again and ugly in in character, not necessarily appearance. I don't care what she looks like. I don't care what she, how old she is. I don't care that she's a woman. I care that she's not acting with any kind of integrity or ethics. And this is not the first time. I mean, she doxed the person running libs of TikTok here a few weeks ago. This is the same Taylor Lorenz. And she's also had other incidents in her past. Things that have gotten her fired. But she does this article, this is June 2nd, Who Won the Depp Heard Trial? Content Creators That Went All In. The subheading here, Influences Discovered There's Money and Clout to Be Made in Covering Breaking News. You mean like Joseph Pulitzer? Or William Randolph Hearst? Because they did the same thing, building their media empires... In some cases, making up the news out of whole cloth. 
remember the Maine, right? The whole Spanish-American War was manufactured, some would say. But stop and think about the narrative. Stop and think of just for a minute about the narrative of this. Basically, Taylor Lorenz here on in the Washington Post, and the Washington Post is signing off on this. They've done their corrections and whatnot, but they're standing by the story because it's still out there. But basically, they're saying that all of LawTube and these YouTubers and these influencers whatnot are grifters. That's the implication here from just just from the subheadline. Who wins? Well, these guys making money. Well, is the Washington Post making money? Because this, this particular article is behind a, a subscription paywall. Does CNN make money when they cover the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial? Does MSNBC make money when they cover the trial? Does CBS make money when they cover the trial? Whatever, whatever the news is. Aren't they making money? Because this is their job. Right? Reading from the article. When the verdict came down in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial Wednesday afternoon, thousands of online influencers scrambled to respond. Twitch streamers reacted to the news in real time. YouTubers posted analysis videos. Instagram meme accounts joked and celebrated Depp's win. TikTokers broke down the most meaningful moments from the decision. The videos and memes were just the latest in a tidal wave of content about the trial that dominated the internet for much of the past two months. I want to interject here. I hate the word content. I hardly ever use it here. What we do here is programming. Our programming is X, Y, and Z. We've got a number of programs that we deliver to you. It's not content. I just... For whatever reason, I've got a hang-up about that. It's, it's newspeak to me, and it bothers me. All right, continuing from here. The trial offered a glimpse into a potential future media ecosystem where content creators, there's that word again, content creators serve as the personalities breaking news to an increasing number of viewers and in turn define the online narrative around major events. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't the news anchors at the major media outlets like CNN and NBC and, and, and shoot, ESPN, aren't they personalities breaking news to a de decreasing number of viewers? And don't they and their editors defined the narrative of the stories that they present? How is, how is what's happening with the new media, the alternate media, the YouTubers, how is that any different? Is it only because it's not you, Taylor Lorenz, Washington Post, MSNBC, Continuing here. Those creators can also bring in major personal profits in the process. You mean they're entrepreneurs? How dare they? In this new landscape, every big news event becomes an opportunity to amass followers, money, and clout. And the debt herd trial showed how the creator-driven news ecosystem can influence public opinion based on platform incentives. Nearly every large breaking news event of the past year has birthed a new crop of online influencers. Let me, let me stop there for a second. I want to take you back to 1979. Some of you are probably not going to remember this because you're not old enough. But in 1979, terrorists seized the American embassy in Tehran, Iran and held 44 Americans hostage, 79 Americans hostage, for 444 days. The Iranian, the Iran hostage crisis, look it up. It was the downfall, it was the final 
the final nail in the coffin for Jimmy Carter's administration. Jimmy Carter was a failure as a president, especially after this. But out of that, there was this show, and and yes, Dave has it. Uh, Dave has it right there in the chat. This was the beginning of a program called Nightline, and how it started was an evening, late-night update on the hostage crisis. Ted Koppel and the various different people over at ABC News said, all right, well, at the end of every day, let's just do a wrap-up of where we are with regard to the terrorists and the hostages in Iran. And eventually, there's no change today. There's no change today. There's no change today. Eventually, the show mo- morphed into a, a, a late-night news discussion program, a late-night news program. It's called Nightline, and it's been going forever. But isn't that the same kind of thing that the Washington Post is talking about here? A big news event becomes an opportunity to amass followers, money, and clout. Now, the priorities are probably not the same as they were when Nightline got started. We want to update people on with the situation with the hostages. But it's an opportunity. Somebody sat there and said, hey, we can offer a news product that we can sell because there were advertisements, there were commercials, We're not doing this just out of altruism. This is an opportunity to make money as as we deliver the news. CNN made their bones on the invasion of Iraq and Kuwait. Is that an opportunity? Is that an opportunity to amass an audience? Dave got to head out. Well done on the show today. We'll catch the replay. Thanks for being here. And and hopefully you enjoy the replay. Speaking of which, let me let me digress here for just a moment. Because this is this is interesting to me. I'm not sure exactly what happened. So last Tuesday, we brought back a show that we haven't had on in over a year, The Ranker Pit. It's our Star Wars discussion program. And during the show, it was about two hours long, during the show we averaged about 16 or 17 live viewers. Neon from Clownfish TV was a guest, and we were talking about this. And we were talking about Kenobi, we were talking about the stuff going on with Moses Ingram and and that sort of thing. And somehow, I'm not sure exactly how, but we went from... 20, 25 views on Tuesday night to now sitting at 836. And it's clear from the the analytics that something triggered a bot. Whether it was an algorithm bot or something, but we got a lot of pings on this video. Of course, nobody's watching the video. The average watch time is two and a half minutes. It's a two-hour show. At 836 hits, with an average of 2 minutes and 30 seconds, whoever is pinging onto the video is not watching the video. It was a weird, fascinating thing to see in real time, these numbers climb up, and not see any, any growth in any other video. I was like, this is a bot. It was very strange. But isn't that how bots work to build the audience, to build the numbers, to trigger the algorithm, to influence how things perform? Isn't that part of all of this? I mean, ratings work the same way in network television and cable news. If your ratings are high, you can charge more than the other guy for your commercial time. Oh, you want... 
You want a 30-second spot in our 10 p.m. news, which is number one in the market? Well, it's going to cost you $600. You want a, you want a 30-second spot in our number one rated morning show? Well, it's going to cost you $450. This is the way business runs. And in these in these times in these modern era times where you have people that are building media channels on YouTube and TikTok and Rumble the channels that are monetized have an opportunity to make money we're monetized If I really, really, really wanted to push it, I could sit there and say, send us super chats, send us super chats, send us super chats. We've got a PayPal account. Send us money. Help us keep the lights on. Help us keep doing this. I don't do that. But I could. And maybe every now and again, I should remind people that we're a monetized channel. It's not that big of a deal to me personally. Yeah, I probably should think about it a little bit more <clears throat> mrs boss might appreciate a little bit more revenue coming in from this channel to justify our experience here just saying continuing here the deb her trial showed how the creator driven news ecosystem can influence public opinion based on platform incentives Nearly every large breaking news event in the past year has birthed a new crop of online influencers. As the coronavirus began its deadly spread across the country, a little fear-mongering there, <clears throat> people turned to large health-focused influencers to make sense of it, often falling for dangerous misinformation. You mean those health-focused uh, those, those health influencers who got, who got silenced because they were putting out the wrong information, asking questions? about certain things, certain labs, and certain procedures, and certain processes, and who's making money. By the way, who's making money? Follow the money. <clears throat> and that's what this is. This is sour grapes over the fact that YouTube, LawTube, the influencers, the TikTokers, are all making money, and they're not. Boo-hoo. Why are you not making money, Washington Post? It's because nobody trusts you. Why are you losing audience, CNN? It's because nobody trusts you. Entertainment Weekly. No longer weekly. No longer published on paper. Newsweek. Only online anymore. Why? Because nobody trusts you. Continuing here, when Russia invaded Ukraine, war pages proliferated with their creators earning thousands by selling merchandise and posting OnlyFans ads. Oh. And as waves of anti-LGBTQ legislation flourished in recent months, popular LGBTQ streamers and TikTokers received major boosts in attention. When the Depp Heard trial began gaining traction online in April... Internet users around the world recognized a fresh opportunity to seize that that word is no accident seize and monetize the attention. Christopher Oric, a 20-year-old content creator in Los Angeles, has posted a dozen videos about the trial to his more than 1.4 million followers on Instagram across several pages. He says, personally, what I've gained from it is money as well as exposure from how well the videos do. <coughs> Excuse me. You can go from being a kid in high school, and if you hop on it early, it can basically change your life, Oryx said. You can use those views and likes and shares that you get from it to monetize and build your account and make more money from it and meet more people and network. Which is what the mainstream media does. The content creator, Alita Mazika earned $5,000 in one week by pivoting the content on her YouTube channel to non-stop trial coverage and analysis, according to Business Insider. Now, Alita is Legal Bites, and she has come out saying that this particular statement is a mischaracterization based on the article that interviewed her for Business Insider, but they didn't get it right either. 
that five thousand dollar amount comes from early in the in the in this in this process, but also ignores the fact that she was covering this before the trial went live and was televised. She was commenting on this topic as it developed. This was not something she just glommed onto, said, oh, hey, the trial's starting. I'm going to make money. She didn't do that. Legal Bites has been around as a YouTube law tuber. She's, she's been doing this kind of thing, legal commentary, for a while now. As has Nick Ricada, as has Un, Uncivil Law, and Richard Hogue. We've had Richard Hogue on here a few times. And he's done a number of videos covering the Activision Blizzard situation. Is he, is he taking advantage of that to make money? Well, sure. Why not? Every media outlet does this. Every media outlet says, we're going to present information to an audience, and as our audience gets bigger, the audience has value. Facebook does this. YouTube does this. Twitter does this. The value... I mean, how many times have we said for Facebook, you are the product. Your information gets sold. Your information gets analyzed. Your information gets part of this algorithm mix to sell ads. You're a commodity in the, in, in the social media sphere. You're not an influencer. You're a commodity. You're a product. And Facebook uses you to sell advertising space. The media companies, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, all of them, they're presenting information. They're they're presenting material, whether it's news, information, educational material, opinion pieces, whatever it is that's in their wheelhouse, they're presenting it in a way such to possibly attract an audience. We do it here. I come on here every single day hoping that the audience appreciates what I deliver. You give me your time and attention. That has value to me. The material and the programs that I present here hopefully has value to you. Otherwise, why do you waste your time coming back? There's a a transaction that takes place. Money doesn't have to change hands for that to be true. It's a transaction. I'm delivering a good, a product. You're consuming the product. And if I do it right, then you come back. And if I do it really well, you tell other people about it. By the way, I want to give thanks to, uh, to Culture Casino because we've picked up a number of subscribers off of his recommendation that people go check out our channel. That's how it works. And you should go check out Culture Casino's YouTube channel. And he's got a new one, Culture Builds, where he's going to be doing some DIY stuff. That's how it works. It's a value-based transaction. And it's no different for YouTubers and TikTokers and, and, and influencers. That's another word that I hate. But it's no different than the mainstream media doing this. But the mainstream media is lying to you. Continuing here, that umbrella guy, we all know Tug, an anonymous YouTuber whose entire channel is dedicated to pro-dep content, not true, and he's technically not anonymous, and I'm actually surprised that she didn't use his name here. And I'm really surprised, although on, on reflection, not so much, but I'm surprised that they didn't use his name in the trial. His handle came up, that umbrella man, the umbrella man, that umbrella guy. And I'm sure that he picked up a number of different a number of subscribers to his channel off of that. And he even made made hay about it. He's like, well, hey, you know, Elaine's been one of my best PR moves. 
Why not take advantage of that? Because when people come and see what you do, when they see what kind of programming you offer, when what kind of material you deliver, they're either going to like it or they're not going to like it, and they're going to make that judgment based on first-hand experience. It's like Comicsgate. Comicsgate has a reputation that's been blown out by the media and the, and the traditional comics publishing industry. But when people get into Comicsgate and they, they see what's going on in Comicsgate, it's a very different experience. Because the media lies to you. Now, the big dust-up over this Washington Post article is the fact that they say they reached out to Legal Bites and Tug prior to the publication of this article. They did not. Both of these people have called out Taylor Lorenz and the Washington Post for being factually inaccurate, presenting something that was not true. Now, Washington Post since corrected it, but Taylor Lorenz doubled down. And now she's gone protected on her on her Twitter account because she was she wasn't too thrilled with the responses that she was getting, basically calling her out as a liar. But I want you to stop and consider. It's not just the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, where the media is lying to us. The media is calling us grifters. Well, not calling me grifters because we didn't, we didn't cover it. But anybody who, anybody who covered this thing, makeup artists and, and TikTokers and you know, uh, comedians, K-pop fans, movie reviewers, I mean, all sorts of different people covered this trial. And the media doesn't like it because you're taking away from their bread and butter you're taking away from their livelihood as it were but I want to talk, I want to expand this to other things because there's a pattern here there's a history here we're going to get into that right after this stay tuned we're not puny gods just puny podcasters this is sci-fi for me radio that's a really good question <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. But that's a really good question. That's a great question. When you need to know, count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. That's been a question I've been asking myself quite a lot. That's a tough question. This is a rough question. That is a that that is a deep question. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hyde here along with all of you. And yes, Sci-Fi Snob, I do deliver value. Mrs. Boss will tell you, I make a mean pizza. <laughs> Good to have all of you here with us here. Continuing our discussion here of how the media likes to gaslight and lie to you. I want to I want to uh, I want to just go through a few different examples of this. Because it's a broader problem than a lot of people may realize and and I just want to get into some of that to just kind of kind of expose those of you who haven't really quite maybe seen all of it going on no the pizza does not have does not have pineapple on it Keely I promise that is that is nah that's unacceptable unacceptable <coughs> but I want to just go through because we've seen this before the media taking a side. And they are not happy at all about this kind of thing spreading out and the democratization of information flow. 
because they can't control Tuck. They can't control Ricada. They can't control legal bites or mind, uh, legal mindset or un, un, uncivil law. They can't control us. <clears throat> they can't control Clownfish TV. It's a... Well, that's weird. Huh. That's very strange. Some of the chat... Okay, so I've got this chat widget here. Some of them... Some of the, the most recent comments that you guys had didn't show up in the in the chat widget that's first that's very odd anyway these these people they they want to control the narrative it's all about information flow and you look back on just even genre related topics you look at what they did to Gina Carano you look at what they did with the sad puppies campaign what they did to Vic Mignogna what they did is as part of Gamergate. And Gamergate still gets brought up as the root cause of all of the Internet's evil. Keeley mentions Brie Larson. Look what happened with the media coverage of Captain Marvel. Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor. The media presented all of this harassment of Kelly Marie Tran, but we never really saw any real examples of it. We heard that they were talking about it, but we never saw it. This Moses Ingram thing is just the latest example where the articles come out saying, well, you know, Lucasfilm told her that it's likely to happen, and then here it comes. Look at how the media treated The Last Jedi. It was the greatest thing since sliced bread when it came out, but here we are, what, four or five years later, and everybody can acknowledge that it's a terrible movie. Yeah, maybe it's not so good. Because now it doesn't matter to tell the truth. Now it's okay, because we've already made our money, we've already had our access, we've already been able to tell the story that Disney and Lucasfilm wanted to tell, and and got our got our licks in uh, on on Phantom Menace and how racist and toxic and bigoted and homophobic and misogynist and terrible and all my patriarchy, right? Because that's the narrative. Because these toxic fans who complain about things are always alt right. There's a discussion that uh, that uh, Perch and, and Joe Carolla had about uh, the New Warriors that never got published from Marvel Comics. This is, you know, Save Space and Snowflake, that team. And they were talking about why it never made it to press, why it never hit the shelves. And one thing that struck me in their conversations is the fact that not just people on the right were offended by this thing, but people on the left were offended by it as well. And it has me wondering if the thing all... If, if it started out to be a parody in order to troll conservative alternate media, you know, the Geeks and Gamers and, and Doomcock and, and Nerdrotic and, you know, uh, West and Thinking Critical and whoever... Let's troll the people who are going to say this is woke. Let's troll the people who are complaining about woke politics and everything. Let's troll them. And they did it in a way that accidentally offended the people who are on the right side of history. And so this thing never happened. I don't know that they ever intended to publish it. That's a guess on my part. But media outlets have admitted, and you see this entire thing with, with Rotten Tomatoes changing their algorithm around Captain Marvel because we had to protect Brie Larson. YouTube did the same thing. They changed their algorithm to favor the mainstream media, MSNBC, ESPN, Jimmy Fallon, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, 
over the channels, the small channels, the, the, the independent channels that made YouTube the big behemoth that it is. You look at the big controversy over cuties and Netflix. The media presented it one way where everybody else was talking about it in another way. You look at you know, look at how they handled the Vic Mignogna accusations. And there have been allegations against other anime voice actors just swept under the rug. Compare how the media covered the Sad Puppies campaigns, and, and th we were all over that. And look at how they characterized those people who were criticizing the Hugo Award process and, and telling people in this, this thing hit the mainstream media, Entertainment Weekly and, and New York Times and all these different places that were talking about the sad puppies and the Hugos. And the sad puppies were alt-right Nazis, istophobes, bigots, homophobes, transphobes, whatever other phobes. And I saw it happen in real time. And how the media wants you to think about it is not how it actually happened. Vanity Fair just came out with an article here a couple of weeks ago. We talked about that, re, trying to rehabilitate Kathleen Kennedy's reputation on her way out. She's claiming credit for putting John Favreau and Dave Filoni together for The Mandalorian. And that's not how it was told three years ago at Celebration 2019. I was there. I tweeted about it. I live tweeted as it was going on. That's not the story that was told then. Look at what they did to ban books. Jason Sanford comes out with this article about how the ban user forum, discussion forums, are full of... of of Nazi trolls and alt-right and MAGA and, and Trump supporters and how dare they, evil, t terrible, 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 terrible people. Look how the media is portraying the January 6th event. Look how the media portrayed all of the riots from 2020. Fiery but peaceful protests? Hello, Death Angel Shadow. Good to see you in the chat. Good to see you. What about? How about what they did to Warren Ellis? And 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 you compare compare the coverage of things like, you know, the, the accusations against Warren Ellis. Think think about how they react when it comes to Walter Breen or Marion Zimmer Bradley. Walter Breen convicted and spent time in prison for molesting kids. And when the daughter, Moira Grayland Pete, writes a book about it, she's pilloried. Because we cannot accuse Walter Breen and Marion Zimmer Bradley of things which they actually have been proven to have done. Samuel Delaney just recently the subject of various comments because he's been recognized as all of his achievements as a science fiction writer over the years, Chip Delaney he's called. But Samuel Delaney is an apologist for Lambda. I think that's Chip Delaney. Samuel Delaney, I know. He's an apologist for Lambda. We saw what they did to Gina Carano. 
And they're going to ramp up and do it again because her movie's about to come out here in a couple of weeks. Dungeons and Dragons. There was the big campaign against D&D back in the 80s. We even had a movie on it, right? Mazes and Monsters. It was of the devil. And there may be some, some influence there from various different things, but... Again, the media lies to you. Look at how they covered He-Man and the Masters of the Universe from Kevin Smith. Everybody that was sitting there saying, oh, it was going to be a bait and switch, and it was all going to be about Tila, well, you just don't know anything. You're just an alt-right Nazi troll. And that's how they characterize everybody. We're just all alt-right Nazis. Whether you're on the right or not, I mean, the center has moved quite a bit, comparatively speaking, when the progressives have gone so far to the left. They're about to fall off the, fall off the scale. They're lunatics. Anime News Network, File 770, Bleeding Cool... Ain't it cool news? They all they all jump in on this. IO9, Gizmodo, Kutaku. They all do it. They're all part of it. And we saw during Gamergate that they were all coordinating with each other. I mean, that whole Game Journal's Pro bulletin board that came out, that I think it was Pasovic that exposed that. Or or who was it? Um not Pasovic. It was it was <coughs> Oh, help me out. I can't remember. I wasn't there for that. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see all of that. Milo. Milo Yiannopoulos, I think, was part of that. The mainstream media lives in fear. Because they are no longer the ultimate arbiters of information. They don't control the narrative as much as they want to. Truth doesn't matter. The narrative matters. As long as they can control the narrative, then they stay in charge. They can influence you. They want to be the influencers. Technology has made it possible, has somewhat democratized the media. I've been in the media for 33 years. I've seen it firsthand, how technology has made this thing change sometimes for the better sometimes not so much Death Angel Saddle says the only hobby of mine they haven't invaded and ruined yet is radio not too many of a leftward persuasion on the ham bands but I'm sure they're going to try and find a way to shut us up I think I think ham radio is probably going to be one of those last bastions of of freedom of speech more than more than anything else I don't think that anybody's really going to be able to touch that because it's so individualized and you know you have to have you, you have to have a license for ham radio but you don't have to have a license for a CB radio I mean I've got a CB radio. Doesn't pick up anything. I'm doing something wrong, but... <coughs> radio is something... Because radio is still local. Now, you'll get with the national the national radio programs, the talk radio and the national news, you know, ABC Radio and, and Fox Radio and that sort of thing, providing, you know, those little five-minute news snippets. But for the most part, radio is local. And there's value to that. And we even see, you know, some of the radio stations are pushing back and saying, you know, we need to keep this local. We need to stay uh, under local control and not, uh, you know, not have so much of a national has to be done this way type of thing. Hunter's Laptop. Nobody talked about it until it was okay to talk about it. Russia? Russia, 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 Russia. I mean, how many years did we hear about Russian influence on the election? The media 
lies to you. They can't control the narrative anymore. Now, this this has been, you know, I mentioned Gamergate. It goes back even further than that. I mean, you look at Watergate. The press took down a president, right? They tried to bring bring Reagan down. They've tried to try to bring Bush down. They tried it with Trump. I mean, how much how much media coverage did that Billy Bush tape get in the beginning, right? And it didn't do anything, and they were so frustrated. Why can't we get him? They've tried it with the sad puppies. They tried it with Vic. They tried it with Gina. These are the same kind of tactics that they use everywhere. They use the same tactics to prop up Brie Larson as they do to prop up Joe Biden. And they tell you, you, the audience, that you're bad for getting your information in all the wrong places. These grifters out here, this law tube thing, the fandom menace. <coughs> Comics Gate. The Boogeyman. Ooh. Right? They're scared. They are losing control of the narrative. They can't control everything the way they used to. Wag the dog. Go watch it. Broadcast news. Go watch it. It's about controlling the narrative. It's about controlling the information that you get. It's about propaganda. The media lies to you, ladies and gentlemen. You, on the other hand, can control... Yes, they live. Good good suggestion there, Keeley. They live is another one. Network. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Right? That's what the democratization of media is allowing you as an audience to do. You stand up and you say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not going to listen to the MSNBC crowd. I'm not going to listen to Rachel Maddow. I'm not going to watch Jimmy Kimmel. You are starting to understand that you control the horizontal and the vertical and the volume and where you get your information. And I recommend you get your information from more than one place. Don't just glom onto one channel. Find multiple channels. I mean, there's a reason why the new boss at CNN is so hyper-focused on, hey, maybe we should just be doing the news. At some point, maybe, CNN comes back as a legitimate news outlet. But they're going to have to work. They're going to have to grind it to, to earn anybody's trust back again. The media lies to you. They want to maintain this tight control over the information flow, and they can't do it. Why do you think YouTube's algorithm keeps changing? They threaten us with demonetization. They don't punish the people who abuse the copyright strike process, the DMC, uh, 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 DCMA stuff. They don't go after false flaggers. There's been plenty of that. They want to control what you think, how you think, what you believe. And the way they do that is to control the information that you find 
control the information that you're exposed to. And they can't control that as long as Nick Riccata's out there, as long as Richard Hogue's out there, as long as Tug's out there. Whatever YouTube channel it is, it's not just them. There are thousands of channels, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of channels that the, what Rush Limbaugh used to call the drive-by media can't control. And he called it the drive-by media because they lob their, their stories, they put their hits out there, and they go on not caring about the consequences. And we see that with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. For six years, he has been characterized as an abuser. And that turns out to not be true. Because the media didn't do their job of fact-finding, truth-telling. I'll leave you with this story. When I was in school, and I've told this story before, but this, this, is, this is for those of you who are new. You're coming in from Culture Casino's recommendation. I'm going to tell you this story real quick, and then I'll be out. Because I have to cut some rebar. When I was in high school, junior high and high school, junior high, let's, let's limit it to that. Seventh grade, I was in English class. We wrote book reports. Here's what the book is about. It was more fact-based. Toward the end of the book report, we could probably do a little bit of a review, the last couple of paragraphs, you know. But mostly, the book report is, here's what the book is about. Here's what the story's about. It's the characters and plot and narrative and all of that. At the end, you can sit there and say, I liked it, here's why. I didn't like it, here's why. But it was a book report. It was mostly factual information about the book. The year later, my sister's in seventh grade. She was a year behind me. And in that year, they started doing journals. Write down your feelings, how you feel about things. And like like a, a diary assignment type of thing. And it became the thing. And this was a long time ago. But it strikes me that if you look at the difference between reporters and journalists, you kind of get the same sort of thing. Reporters, by and large, fact finders, we're going to report what we find out. We're going to report the information that we have discovered. Journalists add an emotional component to it. We're going to report things, but we're going to do it in such a way to influence how you feel about this thing. And I think that's a very, very telling distinction, at least in my head, how I can, how I can look at what should be versus what is. And the genre media, io9, Kotaku, Jezebel... Games Radar, Newsarama, Bleeding Cool, Bleeding Fool, all of them. This needs to be the distinction that they draw, the line in the sand that says, we are reporters. But they don't do that. They're not going to do that. And no... Death Angels, cut some rebar is not a euphemism. I'm actually, I actually have rebar that I have to cut. We're planting grapes here at the compound. And I have quite a bit of rebar to cut to be the, the guideposts for the growth of the, of the grapevines. So there, that is part of our, part of our efforts to, to, you know, have a garden. We're going to try to have a little garden. We're not getting any chickens, though. I'll let Tim Poole have the chickens. Although, you know, 
it might have it might have some value as a channel. We we we've talked about an office dog channel. You know, somebody mentioned OnlyFans. Uh, you know, in, in all of this, we could do an OnlyFans for the office dogs. It'd be a little boring because they sleep a lot, a lot during the day. So I don't know. Might not be worth it. We'll see. All right, that's going to do it for us. I will leave you. Let me let me read this last bit. <clears throat> the book I'm currently reading is American Marxism by Mark Levin. I do recommend it. But he's talking about the media. And this is from, he's quoting here, Levin is quoting Richard Weaver. He's a professor of English at the University of Chicago. And in 1948... I want you to understand, this is not a new thing. In 1948, he wrote a piece called Ideas Have Consequences. And I want to read this to you. <clears throat> and I'm quoting. There is another circumstance which raises grave doubts about the contribution of journalism to the public wheel. Newspapers are under strong pressure to distort in the interest of holding attention. It is an inescapable fact that newspapers thrive on friction and conflict. One has only to survey the headlines of some popular journal, often presented symbolically in red, to note the kind of thing which is considered news. Behind the big story, there, are, there nearly always lies a battle of some sort. Conflict, after all, is the essence of drama, and it is a truism that newspapers deliberately start and prolong quarrels by allegation, by artful quotation, by the accentuation of unimportant differences. They create antagonism where none was felt to exist before. And this is profitable, practically, for the opportunity to dramatize a fight is an opportunity for news. Journalism, on the whole, is glad to see a quarrel start and sorry to see it end. In the more sensational publications, this spirit of passion and violence manifested in a certain recklessness of diction with vivid verbs and fortissimo adjectives creeps into the very language. By the attention it gives their misdeeds, it makes criminals heroic and politicians larger than life. The media thrives on conflict. You know, you know that they're gonna call Moses Ingram all of these racist things. You know that's coming, right? There was articles about it before it ever even happened, saying that it was gonna happen. They want you to think there are five lights, ladies and gentlemen. The media lies to you. There are four lights. H2O tonight. Look at, uh, look at socials. We'll let you know about the rest of the week. Thanks for being here, everybody. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.